Welcome to Everyday Wellness. I'm Kelly Donahue, clinical health psychologist, here with my colleague, Cynthia Thurlow. I'm a nurse practitioner, and we are both super passionate about food, here to educate, inspire, and advocate for you for your best health. Hey, hey, wanted to come to you today and talk to you about some of the things that Kelly and I are really loving these days. And one of them are the Dry Farm Wines. And I'm not sure how much you know about this company, but what really makes them different and unique is that they are sourcing wines from organic vineyards where there are low to no sugar or carbs. And interestingly enough, most modern wines have more sugar than a liter of soda. Scary, right? They're lower in alcohol, they're lower in sulfites, and sulfites are kind of those things that can cause a lot of uh, symptoms. You know, sometimes people will get headaches and histamine responses, etc. They are one of our sponsors for our podcast, and we'd love for you to take advantage of trying out some of their wines. They have lots of options. I love their rosés, but you can go to www.dryfarmwines.com backslash Cynthia Thurlow and you can check out what they have there and try some things out and definitely let us know what you think. Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. We are excited to have Seam Land here today. He is an author, speaker, biohacker, and high performance coach who talks about human optimization. Seam has been doing biohacking and self-experimentations since he turned 18, which was only about six years ago. He strives for living an empowering life and teaching others to do the same. His method is holistic, including not only health and fitness, but also the mental mindset aspect of life enhancement. Oh, and you know, we love that piece too. We are so excited to have you here. Welcome, Seem. Yeah, I'm, uh, thanks for having me. And I'm also glad to be on the podcast. Yeah. So I'd love for you to share with the listeners. I mean, we know a bit about your background uh, when we did our research, but how did you get from studying anthropology to becoming, you know, this kind of preeminent biohacker, um, intermittent fasting, metabolic autophagy aficionado? Mm -hmm. How did that transition actually occur? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, before, like uh, I started to study anthropology uh, after, after my high school. And uh, before that, I was already doing like weightlifting. I was into like just nutrition and uh, optimizing myself as a human being in terms of like wanting to be healthy as well as just increase my uh, performance. But uh, during the college, when I was studying anthropology, uh, I kind of, you know, started, I, I realized that what I wanted to do had to do with like writing you know, or just any type of uh, content creation, so to say. And that was just like the medium that uh, I wanted to choose and what I thought was like the best uh, for me. So uh, since that, I just uh, started to write my blog as well. And in the blog, I, I wrote different types of articles, primarily about health and fitness, as well as just, yeah, like personal development and uh, the mindset and those things. So from that, it just gradually grew into, you know, different several books. And uh, then, uh, yeah, started my YouTube channel, started my podcast as well. And yeah, that's, that's what I've uh, just transitioned into as a, as a full-time thing now. That's exciting. And I, we love hearing people's stories. It's always so interesting to find out how you got where you are. And you call yourself a biohacker. So that term 
is pretty popular today, but can you tell us what biohacking means to you? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that definitely. It's a, it's a very uh, context dependent term, in my opinion, and it means a lot of different things for different people. So uh, what I like to say that biohacking is, biohacking is more of like um, creating this realignment or, or realigning your, your body with the uh, the modern world so to say because we we as human beings we have evolved to be like in this very natural setting but unfortunately like our modern environment isn't that natural anymore and this can cause like a lot of you know health problems and different types of uh, conflicts with our physiology and with the help of biohacking you're kind of re you're you're finding this center or you're grounding yourself back into where your body functions most optimally. And uh, definitely there's also the aspect of just taking it to the next level of just wanting to improve your health, increasing your performance, and um, definitely using both the technology as well as the kind of wisdom and uh, the, uh, the knowledge that uh, people already have. So yeah, you can, in, in a sense, it's like health and fitness with, with, with a, like a very, modernistic or futuristic uh, aspect to it. I love that. And what do you feel, you know, in your opinion, are the biohacks that are most accessible for most people? I know, you know, certainly runs the gamut. Um, there's a lot of technology in biohacking, but what are some of the things that you find are, are easiest for people to kind of integrate into their, their lives? Yeah, well, I think like the best biohacks for the most effective ones are actually free almost mm -hmm. and like fasting in itself is, isn't like an actual biohack, but the people use it as such. So uh, I think, yeah, fasting is a very powerful one, uh, but also just general exercise, sleep, uh, not, not only like just doing it for the sake of doing it, like just going to bed or trying to sleep, just trying to optimize your sleep. That, that can be, that would be like a more biohacking type of thing where you're, uh, deliberately going out of your way to sleep better with the help of different supplements or technologies and gadgets and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, there's definitely the intentionality aspect to it because uh, someone who's just eating a healthy, nutritious meal <laughs> just because they like it, then they're not really biohackers, but someone who is doing that same meal uh, in, a, in a different context or with with a different purpose in mind, then yeah, that can be considered like a biohack in a sense. But yeah, like so, just, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I thought you were done. And so I was going to jump in, but I, I want you to finish what your thought. Uh, yeah, I was going to jump into like um, uh, the heat saunas and cold exposure as well. So those are, those are somewhat, um, you know, traditional biohacks in a sense that they're not really technological but in a sense they're still uh, cr creating this situation where your body experiences something that is unnatural so to say so because in the, in nature uh, although you would experience like different fluctuations in climate and uh, humidity and those things uh, going into a sauna is still very unnatural because mm -hmm. your the heat is so, so high and uh, almost you know um, almost like pushing the limits of the human uh, capacity, so to say. So that's why uh, taking a heat sauna is uh, it's like a natural thing. You're just exposing yourself to high amounts of heat, but just because it's, it's almost, yeah, it's, 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 you wouldn't experience that in nature. And definitely if you combine it with something like an ice bath, 
then uh, that's, 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 that can be considered like a real biohack that uh, just changes the natural environment or the natural stimulus that your body would experience uh, if it were to be at its own. So are you a fan of Wim Hof? Um, yeah, definitely. I watch a lot of his content and uh, I, I do like to do, you know, cold and do some <laughs> breathing exercises as well. So yeah, he's, a, he's an awesome guy. It's interesting. I was just recently, probably in the last several months, introduced to him as a concept and then now really fervently uh, believe that a lot of what he postulates is pretty incredible. Um, I'm mm. not taking five minute cold showers, but I try to aim for 15 seconds and slowly <laughs> kind of increase from there. Just out of curiosity, you know, you mentioned supplements and that's a question that we get asked pretty frequently. What are some of the supplements that you feel are you know, truly reputable or truly reasonable to be using for biohacking? You know, what type of nootropic agents are you a mm -hmm. fan of? Uh, yeah, well, I think like the most important aspect comes from a good nutritious diet mm -hmm. uh, that has all the essential nutrients. And primarily, like I think the most nutrient dense foods come from uh, some animal animal product, animal foods like, you know, liver, egg yolks, fish meat, uh, as well as a few plants, those can be that those would be like the staples and foundation mm -hmm. to a healthy nutritious diet. But when it comes to supplements, then there's still something that you can take as a supplement, because uh, in order to you wouldn't get like the you know the effective dose from just eating whole foods, and one of them being such as a creatine. So you have to be eating like several pounds of meat every day to get like a, the required dose for creatine. Mm -hmm. So creatine is a, like a molecule that is used for ATP production mm -hmm. and uh, usually it's found in red meat. And everyone can benefit from taking creatine because uh, it's just going to help with uh, energy production, physical performance, muscle growth, fat loss, as well as even cognition. And uh, yeah creatine can be considered not only like a ath for athletes, but also just anyone who wants to live longer and uh, feel better, so to say. So there, there are no real side effects. And uh, it's definitely one of the most, it's probably one of the most researched supplements out there that ha actually works and is proven to be really effective. So in addition to that, I also take, uh, I also take some um, uh, carnosine, and carnosine is another one of those things that can be obtained from uh, primarily animal foods and it's used for you know fighting advanced glycation end products so it's like anti-aging supplement so to say and can lower inflammation and oxidative stress so yeah again in order to get like a effective dose of carnosine then you have to be eating too much meat <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's almost almost impossible to reach uh, from uh, whole foods so that's why i take like uh, 1000 milligrams of carnosine also every day basically uh, next to that, you know, for some people, vitamin D can be problematic, and if they need it, then they should supplement it. But uh, magnesium and uh, maybe iodine, those are the most common deficiencies uh, that people tend to run into. I love that your approach to supplements is really the truest sense of the word as a supplement. So having the whole food, solid foundation diet in place before you add these things in. I think that's mm -hmm. so important to reiterate. Right. Um, and I, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit because you have a book called Metabolic Autophagy or Autophagy. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so fascinated by this concept. 
can you please tell us more about autophagy and how you got interested in this and why it's important? Yeah, well, uh, autophagy translates into self-eating and it's the cellular process where the old dysfunctional cell parts and organelles are being recycled and converted back into energy. So usually it happens under energy stress. So when your body is experiencing some form of nutrient stress or energy stress, then it's going to try to essentially clean house and uh, eliminate these dysfunctional cell parts. And usually, and yeah, in, in most cases, this this process has just like a lot of uh, health benefits, like reduced inflammation, uh, improved mitochondrial function, uh, increased longevity, uh, as well as just yeah, your your cells are becoming more functional in a sense. And one of the best ways of activating autophagy are just uh, fasting, calorie restriction, as well as exercise. So anything that is imposing higher amounts of energy stress on the body can, in a way, stimulate the autophagy process as well. And yeah, like in, in the modern world, the problem is that we're not really experiencing a lot of the states of energy depletion and uh, autophagy. So to say, we're always overly nourished and we're staying in this constantly fed state. So the body doesn't really have time to uh, clean itself out. And uh, just because of that, having sufficient autophagy can also just uh, increase longevity as well as uh, slow down the aging process. You know, it's really exciting. You know, I think a lot of people come to <clears throat> intermittent fasting because they want to lose weight and then they stay with intermittent fasting because of the benefits like autophagy for sure. And I think the thing that's really fascinating and certainly when I did my TED talk on this, um, you know, when you start thinking about the impact on immunity and gut health, have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armor Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armor's Colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And Armrest Colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to try 
armra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A dot com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. The indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air and in some circumstances up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? I want to introduce you to a product by Air Doctor that has captured the attention of established media outlets like CNN, ABC, and more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so that your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses that have the potential to go on and make us sick. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day, breathe-easy, money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorbro.com and use code CYNTHIA. You'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 in value. Look at the special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code Cynthia. I absolutely love my air filters. They're an integral component to ensuring that the air that my family breathes in our home is as safe as possible. And certainly, my gosh, digestive rest because you're not constantly eating uh, I think a lot of people, once they start doing it, they really buy into it. Can you touch a little bit about um, how intermittent fasting is different for men and for women? I mean, I kind of work with women predominantly, uh, but I know that, you know, I know that there are gender differences that might be of interest to our listeners as well. Mm. Yeah, well, I would say that uh, like everyone can do some form of uh, intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating. And uh, there are some nuances and differences that uh, they may experience, uh, primarily maybe with uh, how long they fast and also like, um, you know, what do they do actually do during the fast? So uh, a lot in, in most cases, women tend to experience more of the negative side of potential side effects of fasting, like uh, they get low thyroid or uh, they experience like adrenal stress and, so, and such. So um, like in that case, it's it's a, it's a, it's a very it's 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 still possible to do it. You just have to be mindful of how your body reacts, and also just uh, be very careful with not restricting yourself with uh, calorie restriction at the same time, so to say. Mm-hmm. So a lot of in a lot of the cases, why people experience like a low metabolism and a low thyroid from fasting has to do with their overall energy intake throughout the rest of the day, so to say. So uh, your you know, like the fasting period itself doesn't really affect your metabolic rate as long as you're st- still consuming enough calories in the eating window. So your metabolic rate is primarily determined by the amount of calories you consume throughout the 24-hour period. And even if you're consuming the, those calories in a smaller window, you can still maintain a high metabolic rate as long as you're getting enough calories and you're getting like the right nutrients. Uh, but in most cases, like uh, women tend to like 
they also tend to gravitate towards the wrong type of exercise, which is just like a chronic cardio and, mm. uh, and uh, yeah, combining these low calorie diets with just uh, celery sticks and uh, lettuce, lettuce and <laughs> doing no the fasting on top of that. So, <laughs> oh. And they just experience a lot of uh, additional stress. So, yeah. And that's, that's why like, uh, it's, 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 it's very, you know, important to be mindful of uh, these things as well as just to try to get still enough uh, nutrients. I think that's really key. I, I do find that a lot of women, you know, they eat a big meal when they break their fast and then they're not hungry six hours later. And, and I remind them that you need to eat something. A good mm. example of, you know, I try to eat two good sized meals every day and I, I lift most days of the week. And mm. yesterday I wasn't hungry at dinner time, and I, I, you know, made, I had some sashimi and I had some asparagus. And so I ate that. I woke up this morning, I was so hungry and all I could think of it reinforces what you're saying is that women in particular, you know, whether it's you get busy or you just have a lot going on in your personal life, you don't get that second meal in and you think about the detriment it would cause. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping my microphone doesn't pick up how much my stomach is grumbling. Um, <laughs> usually it's a little quieter this time in the morning while I'm fasting, but I totally agree with you. You know, whether it's men or women, they need to ensure they get their, their proper macros in uh, during their yeah, eating. I think, for sure. Yeah. And I think like the most important uh, nutrient or macronutrient is a protein, so to say. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't definitely combine uh, low protein diets with fasting because uh, that would just lead to uh, muscle catabolism mm -hmm. as well as, you know, hair loss, uh, bone density would decrease and yeah, you would feel like very bad. <laughs> so that's why if you are fasting, then uh, definitely getting enough sufficient amounts of protein is quite critical and from very like bioavailable sources is also preferable so that you would uh, absorb those nutrients better because you have like a smaller time frame to absorb those nutrients so yeah generally you... oh, yeah sorry go, go ahead. ahead no go ahead please i was gonna say that yeah like generally um you know for the the amount of protein tends to, the optimal amount of protein tends to be around you know at least 0 0.7 grams per pound of lean body mass and uh, at maximum, like 1.0 grams per pound of lean body mass, that would be like, a, it's definitely higher than the RDAs, but the RDAs are also just telling you what's the bare essentials for uh, survival that you wouldn't wither away completely. So that's, that's why like a higher protein diet than the RDA is definitely a lot healthier. And I know that many of the women with whom I work definitely aren't consuming that level of protein. And for me, with the women I work, it, it shows up as anxiety and fatigue and mm. depression. So I think that those things are, are tied in to that low protein as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the time of day for the fasting window? And does that differ for men and women? Um, well, um, when you look at the research then uh, you can see that uh, some research says that eating earlier in the day is healthier and it improves your metabolic profile and leads to greater fat loss. Uh, but uh, in most cases, that research is, is done comparing these early time restricted, early time restricted eating studies with uh, no intermittent fasting at all. So there is no time constrictions in the other group. But if you were to compare early versus late time restricted eating, then there seems to be not much difference or the difference is very small. Uh, so yeah, I think the biggest or the most important factor is the confinement of the eating window, uh, regardless of uh, when it is placed into, into the day. So you can eat slightly earlier or you can eat slightly later, 
it doesn't matter as long as you're doing it in a confined manner, so to say. And uh, at, at still, I would say maybe not eating immediately before bed is a good thing. <laughs> like you don't want to have like a bunch of food sitting in your stomach when you go to bed because Absolutely. it can like de decrease, decrease sleep quality and uh, keep you up. But at the same time, you don't maybe want to eat immediately after waking up either. So I like to think that uh, wait at least a few hours after waking up and stop eating a few hours before going to bed. So that's, that will give you like a, a good fasting window as well as just enough time to uh, eat. So yeah, I think most people can get away with just eating within uh, eight hours or six hours or depending on the situation. No, and that certainly makes sense. And I know from, you know, our research that you're a fan of doing, you know, longer fasts, you know, two or three times a year. Can you talk a little bit about the benefits of those longer fasts? And are these even appropriate for people that are at their goal weight? I get that question a lot. Uh, you know, I know Kelly and I both enjoy intermittent fasting and I have to be careful when I do longer fasts so that I don't lose weight. So I'm just curious, you know, how you kind of, you know, what your thoughts are on that? What are the benefits? And, you know, people that are at their goal weight, you know, how do they navigate that and, and maintain? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think uh, like every once in a while, it is a good idea to have slightly longer fasts, but uh, that will also depend a lot on the particular person and whether or not they need to do it. So if someone is eating like a very clean diet, they're not overeating calories, they're lean, they're healthy, they're on, they have good biomarkers and they're already doing some form of fasting, intermittent fasting daily, then for them, the requirement to have like these three-day fasts is also much smaller, so to say. So they, they don't need to do it uh, versus someone who is doing the standard American diet and is eating already three meals a day all the time. Then for them, a three-day fast would be much much more effective and it's definitely much more uh, advisable as well. So that, that would be like a very you know starting point for someone to know whether or not it's worth it for them to have it. But regardless, maybe having yeah, like like a few one once a quarter to have a three-day fast or a forty-eight-hour fast, that will be also good to just um, keep everything running optimally and kind uh, of you know yeah do maintenance work so to say. So yeah, I myself have tend to have it. Um, usually, I would try to pack these longer fasts into periods where I'm traveling or if I'm going overseas or just uh, stuck in the road somehow so if i don't have access to like good food so then i would just uh, choose to fast and uh, save some time with it and be more convenient but uh, usually uh, i would end up with getting maybe yeah four four or five of these uh three to fast uh, once a year okay but I love that you integrate it with travel because that's actually what I've started doing when I have to fly out to the West Coast or I've got, you know, a longer flight just makes it easier. And then I don't have to eat the crappy food on the airline <laughs> yeah. either. Yeah, right. it seems like so much of what you talk about is rooted in common sense. Obviously, you have, <laughs> a, you have a huge science background and I love that you apply that to your work, but it's also very practical. Um, you talk about flexibility and using cycles. Can you tell us a little bit more about that approach and, and how you apply that to intermittent fasting? Uh, yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, too much fasting can be harmful and too little fasting can also be bad. And the opposite as well, like eating too much as well as eating too little is harmful. So the you know, the Goldilocks or the best optimal results come from some form of a balance between the two. So you want to cycle between uh, the 
you know, promoting growth, but you also want to have periods of, uh, you know, autophagy and catabolism, so to say. And the same applies to different nutrient intake, intakes as well. So our bodies have evolved to be cyclically in ketosis, so to say. And uh, that's why I think for optimal just health outcomes, it's also a good idea to have these periods of low-carb eating, so to say, to mimic some aspects of fasting and at the same time get some of the benefits from ketosis. Uh, but at the same time, maybe being all the time in ketosis may not be ideal either. So because your body would um, lose its ability to handle carbohydrates eventually. Mm-hmm. And uh, just if you switch things up every once in a while, then you're still able to maintain this ability to tolerate carbs as well as uh, getting all the benefits uh, from ketosis, so to say. It's interesting because I started carb cycling. Uh, you had mentioned earlier in the podcast about how women can sometimes impact their thyroid and their adrenals you know, negatively. And so I found that carb cycling has worked really well. What I do find that's interesting about carbs for me at the stage of life that I'm in is obviously women as they get older are much carb, we're much less carb sensitive. So it becomes problematic. But for me, I hovered about 50 grams most days. So when I do a higher carb day, I have to really make a diligent effort to get those carbs in because I've been Mm -hmm. so conditioned and I'm so protein and fat focused uh, Mm -hmm. that it's really challenging. But I I do, I do agree with you that, you know, our our bodies like to be stressed in, you know, certain ways. They don't necessarily want things to be the same all the way, all the time. Mm -hmm. But I'm interested in hearing you kind of touch on, you know, how satiety actually impacts weight loss. You know, in your book, you mentioned that leptin resistance is caused by, you know, emotional binge eating. So obviously, you know, these, you know, we don't just eat for fuel. Sometimes we're eating for emotional reasons and how this impacts insulin resistance and and how we can, you know, get to a point where we're really struggling to lose weight. Right. Uh, Yeah. Well, satiety is a lot regulated by leptin, which is the Mm -hmm. satiety hormone. And uh, leptin gets produced by your fat cells that would just send a message to your brain that you received enough calories and it's like st- time to stop eating. Uh, but the paradox is that uh, obese people tend to have already high amounts of leptin uh, but, and you know, they're producing a lot of leptin, but they still don't get this satiety signal. So they're just continuing to overeat. And that, that can happen to a lot of uh, even people who aren't obese. And the problem the situation is that they're leptin resistant. So their body or their brain doesn't uh, detect that leptin regardless of its presence. So uh, the reason why this happens has to do, or like insulin resistance tends to walk hand in hand with leptin mm-hmm. resistance. So the body is just... Mighty Maca is a superfood drink mix full of 30 plus natural ingredients. And it was formulated by Dr. Anna Kabeca during her healing journey. Mighty Maca Plus ingredients, which include nourishing ingredients like organic maca powder, turmeric, quercetin, broccoli, parsley, trans resveratrol, pomegranate extract, and more, were carefully selected for immune support to sustain energy, provide mental clarity, and improve recovery. It also tastes delicious. It supports healthy detoxification 
and alkalinity in the body, balances hormones, fights free radicals, and neutralizes lactic acid, all while increasing your energy and vitality. It helps improve your digestion and reignites your libido. It's a powerful superfood drink mix that needs to be part of your daily routine. And Dr. Anna is offering my listeners 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off your first per that's 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. It's delicious and nutritious. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I have used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Uh, Not able to kind of monitor its uh, nutrient intake and calorie requirements. And therefore, it's just (laughs) keeps the person insatiated. And uh, yeah, like usually this, you know, it can happen because of several reasons like chronic calorie restriction can cause it uh, as well as maybe chronic ketosis in some aspects. But uh, most commonly, people who are overweight, if you have like excess body fat, then you have like a higher chance of being leptin resistant because it's like a chicken and egg, pro- chicken and egg problem. <laughs> you are mm-hmm. leptin resistant because you are overweight and uh, you're overweight because of being leptin resistant. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, in most cases, a bad diet is like the root cause, like especially the standard American diet with processed food that combines carbs and fats together and creates this uh, insatiable combination of these foods that just uh, drives overeating and uh, drives this uh, increased hunger for more and more food without like keeping the, and that's like creates this pattern. The person eats this very 
uh, highly palatable food and therefore they're just continuing to eat they get they get, they gain weight from it and this makes them leptin resistant and uh, therefore they continue to eat etc etc so it's a very vicious cycle in a sense and like that's why like the processed food itself can be more considered to be like the cause of the obesity epidemic rather than just fats or carbs or sugar that's so key and i think for many people especially women I think it's reassuring to hear that there is this biological reason why they're craving these foods and that sometimes it can be just as simple, not necessarily easy, but just as simple mm -hmm. as removing some of these processed foods from their diet that are, that's triggering this whole cycle. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's not even just a biological reason. There are literally scientists and engineers are designing these foods mm -hmm. to become like specifically yeah. hyper, hyper palatable and find this specific point or this specific combination of these ingredients to make you overeat. So yeah, <laughs> people have been literally tricked into becoming food addicts and that's like a way of making a lot of money for these uh, big companies. Well, there's a, there's a great book uh, called Salt, Sugar, Fat. I'm not sure if you've read it, but that was the mm -hmm. first time I realized that there were these engineers in the food industry that make foods as highly addictive as possible, you know, excitotoxins, yeah. highly sugarified, uh, and I read that, and even as a healthcare provider, I was completely horrified to realize that, you know, when people say they can't eat just one Cheeto or one Dorito, <laughs> it's been designed specifically to be that addictive. And so, yeah. you know, we're really at a disadvantage when we're consuming those types of foods because it's 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 all chemistry. You know, our brains are yeah. designed to continue to want you know, that pleasure center. Once it's been activated in the brain, we continue to want more and more and more of that same food. Yeah, exactly. And uh, unfortunately, like the same can be applied to healthy foods like these, uh, you know, low carb Kia bars. Mm -hmm. They're still mm -hmm. pretty hyper palatable, although they're not high carb. Mm -hmm. The people tend to still like uh, if anyone has like a weight loss plateau, then in a lot of the cases, it has to do with just overeating these uh, healthy processed foods like, you know, keto chips and cookies and those things. Yeah, it's so easy to do. It really is yeah. for all the reasons you mentioned. <laughs> so you, we've talked a lot about the science and the biochemistry piece, and I want to switch and talk about what you get into in your free book, Body, Mind, Empowerment. You talk a lot about growth versus fixed mindset. I'd love for you to explain a bit more about those and, and tell us how they relate to biohacking and to intermittent fasting. Uh, well, yeah. So well, having a growth mindset uh, means that you're open to, or you realize that uh, you can achieve anything as long as you just put in the work and as long as you uh, do the right things and learn. So about versus a fixed mindset, fixed mindset has to do with just you think that everything is set in stone you have this specific set of genes you have some other you know family history some some predispositions that are holding you back and therefore you can't accomplish what you want so to say but the truth is that uh, you can do uh, almost anything that you want as long as you do the right you know activities and you do the work so to say and uh, that's why you know in the in the context of health especially that can be very uh, liberating in a sense that you realize you know we talked about the processed food you you can realize that okay this is something that isn't actually caused by my own inadequacies it's actually something that is in some aspects uh, it's it, it can be explained and therefore I can have like the 
uh, I have the possibility to kind of overcome this situation just because I have the knowledge and awareness. But, you know, the key part is to have the right mindset and realize that you can grow as a person and you can change. You just have to do like the right things. No, I agree with you. And and I think the year of 2019 has definitely demonstrated for that, has definitely demonstrated that for me, both personally and professionally. But when you're, you know, you're out and you're speaking to people, where are people struggling the most? Do they struggle more with the food piece? Do they struggle more with the sleep piece? You know, where, where do you see, you know, in your experience, where are you seeing people struggle the most these days? Uh, well, I think um, most people in our society are somewhat like sleep deprived mm -hmm. or they're just their sleep isn't as optimal as, as it could be. So um, or they, they may not be even aware of that. Just they think that it's normal to be somewhat groggy or to be uh, you know, dependent of caffeine and those things, mm -hmm. all the stimulants. Uh, whereas in reality, uh, sleep is definitely very important and I would I would like rate it much higher than uh, nutrition in, in mm -hmm. importance uh, but at the same time uh, like the most fastest results can also come from just optimizing the diet and uh, and yeah making sure that they're keeping some form of like physical activity in their life so a lot of people um, or even in the health space you know in the biohacking uh, sphere they aren't even actually doing like regular exercise. So uh, if, wow. if, they, if they like they they are doing maybe some form of exercise, but they're not like that consistent with it all the time, and they're trying to just focus on the magic supplement or the mm. the right food combo that they get to eat, and therefore they'll just immediately get the results. But the truth is that uh, there there are no like magic pills actually. Their biggest results come from the fundamentals, which which are just the health healthy sleep um, uh, exercise nutrition and adding some form of like saunas and fasting into there would uh, maybe just be, that would be like the biggest bang for the buck i think that's so vital for people to hear it, it's not often as sexy as the latest supplement or biohacking device but mm. it's really powerful if you can get even you know 80 percent of those things working for you i think you're going to feel a whole lot better yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you have done so much with your career already and you're so young. Can you can you tell us what you see the future looking like for you? Where are you going from here? Well, uh, I think I'm just going to, at the moment, my plans are to just keep on going and uh, grow my own personal brand as well as just my spread, the information that I already have. So uh, in the future... I would imagine that I would have to expand in some other ways, but currently, uh, the my like I always try to think like what's the what are the things that I need to do that will have like the greatest effect uh, for achieving my goals as well as the society around me. So I'm always going to try to do what's the most effective thing for me to be doing in the current moment and in the current stage of my life. And right now, that thing is just a content creation. Uh, you know, speaking, writing books, and that, that sort of thing. Well, I noticed that you've got a biohacking boot camp. Um, it just kind of popped up this morning when I was when I was on Instagram, and so I'd love for you to share a little bit about that. Um, I, I think it's really interesting, especially for people that maybe don't know where to start, or you know, really are requiring some guidance from obviously an expert in the field. But tell us a little bit about what that is, what that's going to be like for you. 
Uh, yeah, so the biohacking bootcamp is like a, like a two-day retreat that I have uh, here in Estonia. So uh, it's going to be uh, like a workshops, lectures about fasting, sleep, nutrition, training, as well as uh, some, you know, sauna sessions. And I'm partnering up with uh, a Wim Hof instructor, actually, from Finland. So oh, he's going to be guiding people through ice baths and uh, some breathing exercises to kind of teach them how to control the nervous system and, uh, yeah, reap the benefits of the cold so yeah the, it's kind of it's, it's kind of a pretty fun fun uh, fun event in uh, january next year and yeah people people can check it out uh, from my website sounds amazing you've given us so much information today but if you could boil this information down into just two things that our listeners could do to improve their health and wellness every day what would those two things be uh well, I think um, the first thing would be to uh, have a good night's sleep because uh, the sleep aspect is pretty important for uh, both the physical performance as well as the uh, mental state. So if you're, let's say, tr struggling with uh, focus or you're struggling with even like overeating or such, then all of those things can be improved by getting better sleep and sleep deprivation like uh, causes a lot of uh, health problems so you can preemptively fix them or prevent them by just uh, getting your sleep optimized and the second thing would be to to uh yeah like try to have some form of uh time eating into the day that will be also like another really cheap and free hack that you can just drastically improve your health with well, it's been such a pleasure to have you on uh, this morning, which is your afternoon. I really appreciate it. And I, and I bet that we'll get lots and lots of questions. And so I hope in the future, you'd be willing to come back so we could pick your brain a little bit more. Yeah, it was great talking with you and uh, I'll be happy to come back. Thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your, of your uh, afternoon and a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you have questions or would like us to discuss a certain topic, please feel free to email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can find out more about Kelly at kellydonahuephd.com and more about Cynthia at cynthiathurlow.com.